Hello, dear listeners, and welcome to the Overcoming Your Story podcast. This week, our guest is a young woman, um, a doctor from Nigeria. Her name is Doin Anibaba. So I will not introduce her more so that you get the pleasure of hearing her introduction in her own words. Yeah. Hi, Doin, and welcome to the podcast. Hi. Thank you so much for having me. Um, I'm so glad to be here. Thank you. My name is Doyani Baba. I'm a medical doctor and I have particular interest in mental health. So I love to raise awareness about mental health, mental illnesses, mental health struggles, you know, debunking a lot of myths about mental health and just educating people in general about the importance of mental health and also reducing the stigma associated with mental illnesses so basically that's what i'm passionate about doing and i also have some experiences in offering counseling to patients online and offline i've also been part of different volunteer different volunteering um, projects that has been to raise awareness about mental illnesses and i've also been on tv on radio just in this bit to raise mental health awareness. That's really amazing. To start with, do you have a main message you would like to our listeners to take away today? My main message that um, I would like people to take away is that whenever you feel like you're struggling with your mental health, it is okay to ask for help. It is not a sign of weakness to ask for help. It is very, very okay. Because I find that a lot of people they don't, they're not very comfortable seeking help when they're definitely struggling. So I just want to tell anyone listening out there that if you're struggling with your mental health, it is very okay to ask for help because help is available everywhere, online, offline, anywhere you look, there's help available. And, you know, when you get that help, you find that you feel better. You will be much better. Yeah. It's a very important message coming from our context where when we struggle with our mental health, there's so much shame around that, that people tend to hide and pretend and suffer in silence. And there's no need for that. That's that's a powerful message. So to start off with you, how did you grow up? Can you tell us a little bit about your childhood? You're a doctor. How, tell us a little bit about all of that. Okay, so for me, growing up, I've always been, you know, interested in the the things that have to do with the human mind, you know, psychology, all all of that stuff. I remember one time when I was a teenager, I was reading a book about, you know, personality tests, knowing much more about your personality type and the different types of personalities. And I really found it very intriguing. So when I was much younger, I would just find myself reading all these books about, you know, psychology and the human mind. And then I went to medical school and the, the, the posts and the rotation that I enjoyed the most was my psychiatry rotation because I just, I just enjoyed it. Because you know how in medical school you go through different rotations, pediatric surgery, OBGYN and others. But for me, in medical school, I found that I really enjoyed my psychiatry posting. And so for me, that was how the interest, so the interest has always been there when I was younger and then going to medical school, enjoying my psychiatry posting. 
So that really just reinforced the interest and the passion for mental health for me. And then after graduating, I decided to you know just keep educating people about you know their mental health, and I find it very interesting, and I enjoy doing it. So, but did you have a role model? How come you had these books about uh, psychology already when you were younger? Did you have? Yeah, my mom has some of these books at home because she ha- she was doing her masters in um, psychology then, so she had those books on the shelf, and then that was I was just I was just look at the books and just read them. So. I guess because the books are available, I found them and I read them. <laughs> How come you decided to study medicine? Oh, wow. Uh, my decision to study medicine, it's not, I don't know. I, just, I guess I just, I enjoy helping people. I, I really love helping people. So that's where that came from. You know, the fact that I love to help people. I love to, you know, just help people basically, yeah. This profession around mental health, mental awareness, it's, it always comes from people who have this deep desire to help others, Yeah, find freedom, understand themselves uh, better. Um, I saw you created a platform for that. You have, uh, if I pronounced it correctly, The Well 40? Yeah, The Well 40, yeah. So it's been a while since I've been, like I said, I've been interested in mental health and awareness. So it's been on my mind to sort of start a platform online that would do that. So it took me a very long time before getting the name. And even when I got the name, I was like, I don't know if it's nice. You know, where you're just second guessing, you're just not sure if this is the name, you know, because you hear some business names and you're just like, wow, this is so creative. This is so good. So I was just like, you know, um, I wasn't sure if I should go with it. But when I felt like I was stalling too long just because of the name, I decided that, you know what, I'm just going to start with this name. If I get inspired to change it later, I can easily do that. Or if I get a better name later, I can easily do that. But I just said, you know what, I'm just going to start with this. I don't want the name to be what would stop me from raising the awareness and doing what I really feel I should be doing. So I just started back then in 2019. I'll just post one or two things and then, yeah. So that's it. That's how the name came about. What's the meaning behind the name? Oh, yeah. So fort is like a space, like a safe um, space or environment. So I just went with the well fort. So it's just like a place where you feel safe, you feel, you know, well in your mind, in your soul, in your body. So that was really where it came from, just like it fort like a, a little you know safe haven in that sense like a safe haven yeah i mean when i read the name it, it, for me it evokes um, something very positive so i think yeah. i'm happy you're you're a professional you know you're a doctor and uh, i know in the future you want to specialize in psychiatry, psychiatry. yes yes wow. that's my plan <laughs> oh, <so> <laughs> You know, because it's important to have as many specialists as possible who understand context, who understand culture, who understand, you know, um, to raise awareness to to towards this well-being that we want as many Africans to to have access to. So, um, in your work so far, what are some of the myths and facts about mental illness? Do you want to talk about that? Okay, yeah, yeah, um, there's so many, there's so, so many 
myths are uh, myths out there about mental illnesses. One of the most common ones is that people believe that um, mental illnesses are not curable, especially coming from a background from Africa or Nigeria, you know, where people that have mental illnesses, it's not really understood back home. So a lot of people think that mental illnesses are incurable. There's no solution for it. So, and I like to say right now that, you know, mental illnesses are very, very curable with the right kind of help. And when you treat any illness properly and appropriately, most people will fully recover from their mental illness, you know. But And then for the most times, some people have to get treatment continuously for the rest of their lives. Just like, for example, if someone is diabetic or hypertensive, they have to be on medications for the rest of their lives to be able to manage that condition. So some mental illnesses are, are, are like that as well, where you need to be on medications for, for the rest of your life. Or some are also the kind that you treat it for a while. Once you get better, you stop. But the summary is that treatment is available. Just as we have treatment for physical illnesses, we also have treatment for mental illness. Yeah. And people are so scared to be associated with mental illness back home. It's the worst thing that, and you know, it's good to have this message go through. And um, I mean, even people who are in the streets, as in uh, from in Cameroon, where they're there picking, they're naked or picking food from the ground or people if they had the right treatment they wouldn't be there exactly exactly and if they were also treated early you know getting treatment early also really helps in the outcome of things so getting early treatment is also very important yeah so the next um the next myth is you know i'm also going to i'm going to try to relate the myths as much as possible to things that are common with the Africans, since we're both Africans and all of that. Another common myth is that people think that mental illnesses are, you know, diabolic or they have this spiritual attack or it's um, it's the devil, you know, all this kind of... A lot of people try to paint mental illness as a diabolic thing, you know, and that's not it. Most times, the main reasons why people come down with mental illness is because there's some imbalance in the chemicals in the brain. That's it. Nothing nothing more than that. But you see that a lot of us, you know, from West Africa, Nigeria, whatever, we tend to, you know, spiritualize these things that, okay, the reason why he's depressed is because somebody, he offended somebody 10 years ago and the person is trying to get back at him. Or the reason why this person is, you know, suicidal is because, you know, they, their parents or their grandparents offended some gods and now the god is trying to punish them. And all those things are not true. The truth is, depression, if you look at it, depression, there's a, there's a pathophysiology. There's a reason why people get depressed. There are imbalances in the chemicals or neurotransmitters in the brain, dopamine, serotonin, oxytocin, and all of that, they're supposed to be balanced. But sometimes you find that for maybe due to a psychological stress or due to a con- um, psychological stress, you find that those chemicals and neurotransmitters are not well balanced. 
and then eventually you find that the person will come down with depression or schizophrenia or bipolar disorder or anxiety. So at the end of the day, you will see that there's actually a scientific um, backing for every mm -hmm. single mental illness. And it's not that it's a spiritual attack or someone is punishing you and all of that. I totally relate to what you're saying because I, I also advocate for childhood trauma awareness. And um, in the literature I've been reading so far, they say when you go through stress as a child and continuous stress, right? It could be, uh, I mean, there are many stressful situations. It could be from being beaten by your caregivers, being, uh, I don't know, you don't have enough food, uh, you're maltreated, no one's taking care of you, your parents are not with you, uh, your, a family member goes to prison. All that stress over many years has consequences and it gets stored and we come, we, when we grow up and we become adults, I mean, we don't know how to manage our emotions and then we get adult stress and all of that. It can, it can lead to depression in some like major um how do you say transitions in life? You know, I saw when I transitioned from school to work that I became depressed because I totally was like, what am I now? I finished school. What's my identity? You know, even becoming a mom. So it's very important to know things instead of thinking, oh, uh, the grandmother insulted that other woman in the village. That's why everybody, you know, you know and then we try to hide it as a shame. We hide the person who has a mental uh, health problem in the house. We shouldn't tell people because it's, it's, no, the person has a health problem. If the person broke their leg and they would take them to the hospital, it's kind of the same thing, actually. That's the awareness we need to really bring that people you can seek. Yes, you're, you're very right. And I, I just want to buttress more about what you said. You know how you said that maybe when you were transitioning from being a student to graduating and working, you know, there was that... That was a bit, you know, too much for you. And the truth is, people handle psychological stress differently. You'll find that what would make someone else, you know, traumatized or break down mentally, it will not affect the next person, you know, the same way. So we need to all understand that we have different emotional resilience. So if you find that this particular issue for you is too much, you need to acknowledge that. And that's the only way you'll be able to handle it, as opposed to being in denial or trying to come up with, I'm strong, I can do it, and all of that. That's just deceiving yourself, and it doesn't really help. If you find that this particular situation stresses me, or you know, or this thing gets on my nerves, or this thing really triggers me, you need to find a way to acknowledge that, and that way you'll be able to find a solution. And that way you'll be able to better manage whatever is coming your way. But if you're in denial, and you're pretending I'm strong, I can do it, but deep down you do know that you need help, you need support, then when the whole situation arises, you might not be able to handle it properly, and that can lead to you know, a snowball effect or so many things just happening and happening. So very good that you, you acknowledge that, okay, in this part of, during this stage of my life, I found this a bit challenging, and that way you were able to you know, get help and get the support you needed. Uh, what my family thought because no one in my family has been to see a therapist so for them so but why do you need a therapist you don't need you have us i'm like no you are not therapists so. yes yes another myth i like to talk about is that a lot of people think that mental health challenges are not common 
and they are they are more common than we than we know because if you look at so many statistics you will just be you will be mind blown about about how you know how common mental illnesses are so a lot of people just believe especially coming from where we are you know a lot of people just believe it's not common even if you have it maybe you're pretending or you're lying or you're looking for attention but we need to acknowledge the fact that mental health challenges or mental illnesses are very common and they're even becoming more common nowadays the other day i was reading about a teenager on tiktok you know that committed suicide 18 years and then i was like i didn't even someone told me about it i was just like i was just you know mind but if you if you search if you google the number of teenagers young adults that are committing suicide you'll be mind blown because it's so rampant it's so rampant i still had another story a few days ago of suicide that's how common these things are other yeah. mental illnesses anxiety a lot of people even have anxiety they don't even know they have anxiety they don't know they have anxiety disorders you know and all of these things so we need to acknowledge that mental illnesses are common they are very common and we need to when we acknowledge that that we will be able to show support to people that need it but if we keep if we're in denial that it's not common it's just one in one thousand so it's not a big deal we're not going to help anybody but if we acknowledge the, how common and how popular these things are we'll be we'll be able to show support to other people we'll be we'll be kinder to other people you know around us we'll be more kind to the people we see around us so that's what I, I would say, you know, it's really common. If we if we search statistics of mental illnesses right now, you'll be surprised by, you know, by the, the figures we see. And also the knowledge is becoming more and more democratized, you know. We are getting more and more access to the knowledge, to knowledge we didn't have access to before. Even in the West, it took time for people to realize. Um, I remember in the research for trauma in the early 80s, people thought that, um, for example, for sexual assault, it was like one child in one million in the U.S. And, uh, because people were just in denial that it's not possible that kind of thing could be happening. Before they did some research and they realized that it was way more, it was not one child in one million, you know. It took a lot of research and... Uh, even the fact that if people, if you go through the stress in your childhood, it could set you up for you, you you're more at risk of, I don't know, becoming addicted or getting depressed and things. These people did not know. And these are things that in our context, people should start getting, um, you know, getting that knowledge. Because when people, when you're depressed, they say, are you the first person to be depressed? You know, like, they just so if you're already suffering and someone shoots you down like that, well, you're not going to say anything anymore, and that's the isolation that actually hurts more than the the illness itself. Because without support, I mean, how are you gonna cope, you know? And uh, and then people do things, and then they say, ah, oh, but oh, well, why did he do that? And the people take their lives, and then they even get blamed for what he didn't think of his. And it, it just shows how people don't understand how these things work, actually, yeah. What other myth do you have for us? Oh, yeah, so um, the last one I would like to talk about is that people think, a lot of people think that therapy, medications are a waste of time, and that's not true. Therapy, so 
Let's take, for instance, if someone is suffering from an anxiety disorder, the first thing that will be prescribed to the person is therapy, so cognitive behavioral therapy, just to help the person walk through the anxiety. And then if that if they do that for a while and it doesn't work, then they can now go to medications. But most people believe that therapy is a waste of time. And a lot of people don't even like to go to therapy because they feel that it will rehash some things they've buried. You know, some things they've buried deep down that they don't want to revisit and all of that. So some people don't go to therapy because they're afraid of what they will find or what they will discover. Some also they feel like it might not work. So there are so many reasons why people don't even go for therapy. But research has shown that it is very, very effective in treating mental illnesses. A lot of times, therapy alone can actually solve the issue. People don't know that. A lot of times, therapy alone can be the solution that the person needs. In some few cases, the person may eventually need to be on medications, which is okay as well. But the truth is, therapy alone can solve a lot of mental illnesses that people have and also anyone that goes to therapy about close to between 70 to 90 percent of people that actually go to therapy they will tell you that they've seen improvements in their symptoms in the way they are feeling so once people are able to overcome the hurdle of the fear of therapy or the the um the criticism they have of therapy once people are able to jump those hurdles and go to therapy, they will find that in the long run it's beneficial. And also, I'd like to add here that you don't even need to have a therapist even when you're struggling. You can have a therapist when things are going well, someone you like to share your progress with, someone you like to tell about how things are going in your life. So it's not just about having a therapist because things are not going well. You can also have a therapist when things are going fantastic. It really just helps, you know, talking to a professional about you know things going on in your mind and i understand the place that family and friends you know their role i understand their role but at the same time therapists are trained for these things the same way you wouldn't go to your family member to help you fix your car you go to a mechanic to fix your car that's the same way we should go to therapists to talk about our challenges talk about struggles or even to talk about the good things happening because they are trained to do that. Your family and friends will show you the support the best way they can. But at the end of the day, they are not trained and they are not specialists in that area. So it's good to just, you know, um, take the advantage of having the specialist and going to them and let them do their job. And also, medications work. A lot of people disbelieve that, okay, medications, psychiatric medications are just, um, you know, pills that make you happy or pills for you know people there's so many misconceptions but the truth is like i said earlier neurotransmitters and hormones are imbalanced in most of these mental illnesses and what the psychiatric medications do is that they try to find a balance in these neurotransmitters and the the hormones and the and everything so that's what the the psychiatric medications do some would reduce dopamine some will increase serotonin so they, they have different things they're doing at the end of the day they're just trying to achieve that balance that's supposed to be there that's been disrupted for one reason or the other. So those medications are there to restore the balance, and they are very effective. You find that when when you are when you stick to your medication plan and you use it effectively, it will work. 
it mm-hmm. works a hundred percent. In fact, most times it works. But when people are skeptical, you see that they are not using the medications the way they are supposed to. They are skipping the doses or they are hearing different things about the medication. This medication is a happy pill. It's only going to be making you happy or is an easy way out or something. Those things are simply not true. The same way a diabetic would need insulin is the same way someone who is who has ADHD, attention deficit hyperactivity disorder, will need their medication to help them with that condition. So that's yeah. it. So a lot so I just want us to know that therapy, medications, those things actually work. And for majority of cases, therapy alone can be the solution. If therapy alone doesn't work and you have to be on medications, that's okay as well. But just make sure you use the medication and you know stick to the to your prescription and you'll find that you will get better. For example, if someone is depressed and they, they are on medication, it's still important to go to therapy to work through the issues. Yes. Yes. That actually brought them to that uh, depression. Yes. Yes. Yeah, because it's true. Yeah, I mean the the medication will stabilize you, but you still need to work through your therapy. Life. Yeah, therapy. So the ideal combination is therapy and medication. You know, it is it is very very effective. But sometimes people that have mild symptoms, they can just do therapy alone. But if it's more severe, or like more severe, you know. Um, therapy and um, therapy and medication is a great combination because um, so mental illnesses as well there are different severities mild moderate and severe you know so mild so just to explain it to so someone who has a mild um, condition they will still be able to function they will still be able to do their job they will still be able to you know do their everyday activities. But someone who has a severe, very, very severe uh, mental health challenge, you see that the person will not be able to work. The person won't be able to, if they're parents, you see that they might not be able to do their parenting job properly. Even their work will be slacking, their physical hygiene and so many things. So you see that that's like extremely severe. So in those cases, you would recommend therapy and you know medications. So basically, at the end of the day, the psychiatrist or the psychologist or the therapist will be the one to really prescribe the best solution for you based on how you're feeling. So it's not a one-size-fits-all, oh, my friend was depressed and then she went to therapy, she felt better. So how come I'm, I, I'm going to therapy and it's not working? It might be because the friend had a mild depression, which therapy works for, and then yours is probably more severe, which therapy will not work. So at the end of the day, it's not one size fits all it has to be customized and made for each person based on how they are feeling based on their symptoms and based on the severity of the challenge they're facing and also sometimes people even have two or more you know mental health challenges at once somebody that has attention deficit hyperactivity disorder might also be struggling with addiction or might be struggling with depression so some people have a mix of these things. So it's very, it's very difficult to say, oh yes, um, this is it. The same thing works for everyone. No, it's different. If everybody gets their own um, medication or treatment plan, treatment plan based on how they are feeling. Yeah, yeah, you're right about severity and uh, the type of help needed because it's very important to because um. For example, you can have mild depression when you go to therapy, but 
at some point, maybe it becomes really severe. You cannot go to the bed. You cannot brush your teeth. You cannot take a shower. And now you have to have a different type of medication. And they're working through the issues when you stabilize yourself. So it's important. Um, me, I think I function with depression since I was a child. Um, the first therapist who told me that from what I'm describing, he thinks I've been depressed since I was a child. I never went back there because it was the first time I heard it was really very overwhelming. Yeah. When I transitioned to work, I was feeling so empty. I knew there was a big problem, you know. So I started looking for help and everything. I, I went through two um, different therapies. I could always function, you know. I could I would force myself to go to work, but it was becoming really more and more difficult. But when I gave birth, all the unresolved trauma came back to, to me. So each time I have three daughters, um, each time I had postpartum depression. But the last one I had, I had my third daughter in Canada. I didn't do like the other times where that's why I'm talking about all these issues because, you know, silence. I would stay silent, suffer in silence. At that time, I told the doctors, I'm like, I've suffered twice from postpartum depression. I need help right now because I, I started the depression during pregnancy. After pregnancy, I mean, it's, you know, as soon as I, I'm pregnant, it just becomes very clear. So they gave me help. It was in Toronto. Yeah, they had a they had a um they had a program for women who were pregnant who had been through trauma in their past. So they had specialized help with the uh, a, a, a psychiatrist specialized in in childhood trauma, and they had a therapist, you know, like a counselor. I would speak, uh, I would see, and then I would see the the psychiatrist. And from what she she was she was like with your symptoms you should be on medication but I I didn't want to you know I refused but I kept going to therapy and everything but after I gave birth it just became worse and for a few months I went on medication it was so good in stabilizing me it helped me bond with my child better because I was more present you know not out of my mind stressed like I was with my first two daughters so I saw the difference in the the way I experienced the postpartum too with my third daughter and uh, I still go to therapy. Therapy is not like speaking to your friend. It has nothing to do. Yeah, I, I had one of my uncles passed away and when they told me I had this pain in my face, you know, like really like intense pain, also in my back, you know. And when I talked to my therapist, I'm like, I don't understand. I had this pain in my face. The first thing she told me was like, did he ever hit you in the face? I was like, oh. Yes, we did. And it was that place that was hurting. Something from 30 years ago, you know. It was so shocking. I'm like, a friend would never have. There's no way a friend would have. Because maybe I, I wouldn't have even verbalized it that way. I did not know what was going on. But she, right on point, she's like, did he ever hit you in the face? And then, of course, it just made sense. I'm like, yes. And uh, so, yeah how the mom, the body remembers, it has a memory. I was like, wow, yeah. So it's very important to, and then you feel freer when you do this work. So I really like the fact that, you know, there, there's that support group for women who struggle. So that's really good because also having a community of people who you know are struggling with the same thing or similar thing with you really helps because that way you don't feel all alone. You don't feel like you're the only one and that alone, knowing that you're not the only one, is is so helpful for your mental health. 
Secondly, the fact that also your third pregnancy, you decided to seek for help. You spoke up and you told them, this is what happened. I need help. And that's really good because it's not everybody that can do that. So the fact that you did that, that's really, really good. I mean, and the fact that you're sharing your story as well is, is really good. And I hope that someone listening would also be encouraged to seek help or if they, if they need help and speak up so that they can be able to get the help and support they need. Yeah. So far, like the other ones, I was, it was horrible. But this time I had, like, even when I went for my prenatal visit, I would check in with a, they had like an on-site um, social worker. We'd go and check in with her for five, 10 minutes just to see how I'm feeling and everything. Yeah. And because I asked for help, that's the thing. Sometimes you don't know the kind of help you can you can have access to. If you don't say anything, no one can help you. So important. Because when I gave birth, they gave me, they told me because I suffered from postpartum depression in the past, they gave me a, a room by myself. Normally you have to pay $400 a night to have a room by yourself. No, they gave me a room by myself. They told me I could stay there for five days. In the night, they would take the baby so that I would sleep. It was so good because I have I have two small daughters. And so in the night at midnight, they would take the baby away. I would sleep and at 6 a.m. they would bring the baby back. So I could sleep for five days before I went home. It made it quite different. But if I didn't say anything, they wouldn't have come and just, they don't say it because they say, okay, no, it's not for her. We're not going to tell her, right? But if you say, hey, this is who I am. This is where I'm at. Then people will say, okay, we have solutions for you. And for you, exactly. That's important. Exactly. That's that's amazing. So we can move on to the the next segment, which is um how we can show support to someone struggling with their mental health. If someone comes to you and they tell you that this is what they are going through, this is what they are struggling with, the first thing is don't be judgmental. Listen, don't judge them. Don't say, Oh, so is this the thing that is worrying you? It's not even serious or why are you being so weak and all of that. No, don't judge them. Just listen. Listen, show empathy and do not judge them. That's the first thing. That's the very first thing that anybody, that's the least you can do. Then ask them, okay, when they're done sharing what's on your mind, okay, ask them, how would you like me to help you? You know, because the truth is most of us are limited in what we can do. So do you want me to go with you to a support meeting? Do you want me to, you know, link you up with a therapist or, you know, follow you to a hospital um, hospital appointment? How do you want me to help you? How do you want me to help you, basically? And also, you can also reassure them. You can also reassure them that and let them know that whatever they're struggling with, there's a solution for it and that they are not alone. Reassuring them alone will go a long way. Just tell them, okay, I I might not really understand what you're feeling, but I know that there's a solution. You're going to get past this. And also, you're not alone, you know. So many people also have this challenge. You're not alone. You'll get past this. Those are ways that you can, you know, show them support. Also, don't, don't confront them and compare them with other people. Because saying stuff like, okay, uh, I know somebody too, she was she had the same issue, but her own was not this bad. So why can't you just um, man up or just, you know, all those kind of things. Confronting them, being confrontational is not going to be helpful. 
talking about why do people judge? Because I always really wonder about that. I, I feel as if it's either it threatens something in them, you know, to hear someone like someone has a problem, it, it makes them feel unsafe. I don't know. I really wonder if you have thoughts on why people judge others so harshly when they have a... I think, I think one of the reasons why people judge is because they don't really understand. They don't really understand the whole concept of mental illness or mental health challenges. So for them, it's a bit alien because the truth is, if you have a true understanding of how these things happen and how it is not the person's fault, you be you won't be talking to them and being judgmental and being say and say you won't be saying stuff like you know why you why you this is such a little thing I've been through worse and I didn't break down so why are you being weak why are you being that because a lot of people don't understand but if we all understand that number one we're all different number two we have different emotional resiliences number three these things are real mental illnesses are real once we have those basic understanding. We'll be able to operate from a higher level, a non-judgmental level. But people really judge what they really don't understand. That's the that's the summary of it. People judge what they don't really understand. And that is why we are here to raise the awareness about mental health and mental health challenges that these things are real, these things are actually real and they can happen to anyone. So that the more people so the more people understand it, the better they are able to show support in their way to people around them more people will be kinder to, you know, show kindness to other people around them. So the first thing is to get people to make sure they understand this whole concept. And once that happens, you'll see that people will be less judgmental. No, no, I was going to say, what else? How how else can we show support? And uh... Okay, okay. So also, um, follow-up is important. Follow-up is important. Uh, let's say that someone comes to you, confides in you, and then they decide, okay, I think I should go to therapy. And then they're like, or you recommend, I think you should talk to a specialist. You should talk to an expert. And they're like, okay, fine, I will. Okay, when do you want to go? You know, do you want to go Friday or whatever? Just make sure you follow up. Ask them the following day. Oh, the last time we spoke, I remember you said you go to a therapist on Friday. I just wanted to know, were you able to go? And how did that go? Just following up. So that person knows that you actually care. And you're concerned about them getting better, as opposed to just leaving it. You know, you won't talk to them again. So just that follow up. Even at, during the follow up, you might find out that the person even eventually didn't go because they got afraid. And that's another avenue for you to just encourage them further. That okay, you don't need to be afraid. Therapy would be useful for you. So just try to make sure you go. If you need me to, you know, come with you, let me know or show you support or something like that. So that's follow up alone. Is very important, and if you check all the all these things I'm mentioning, it's the barest minimum anyone can do, you know, and it's it's the least anyone can do. I'm not saying that oh turn to a therapist for your friend. Just showing the support, showing that empathy, and showing the care will really go a long way in helping anybody around you. And then I do know that some people, even with all the support they have, they usually don't um want to get help those situations are a bit tricky and then it gets so bad that the caregiver or this their their support group will get frustrated because they'll get tired of helping them and all that but in situations like that just 
try to keep encouraging them. Because the truth is, someone who is very adamant of going to therapy or not getting help, there's a reason for it. They might not be comfortable enough to share that reason, but just try to reason with them that, okay, there's a reason why they are being this difficult. But you just have to keep showing them the love and care. Don't get tired. Sometimes it might be tiring because I've heard stories of clients, of clients' um, relatives that get frustrated if, despite the fact that they show so much support, the clients might not really go for help and all of that. It can be frustrating. But what I would say is that just try to keep encouraging them because one day they will eventually go. There's a reason why they are being so adamant and being so difficult, which we might not be able to understand. But what we can do is just to continue to show the support, continue to show them that we care and we're there for them. That's the best we can do. I would also say, like, for the caregivers to find a way to also take care of themselves. Very important. Mm. Very important. Yeah. Very, very important. Wow. Um, Very powerful messages. Um, Would help us all, right? Uh, You talked about comparison, like not comparing, oh, this person went through it and uh, why are you... Yeah, I... They say, uh, what do they say? Comparison is the stealer of of joy. It's the same with kids, right? They're not comparing siblings. Oh, your sister is better than you. Why are you not like your brother? And we do that so much. Yes, but coming from Africa. Yeah, where are coming from? What are you doing? You know, like we we tend to just throw it out like that, and it's really, it's it's something we have to eliminate. Not only for kids, but even for ourselves. You know, um, yeah, comparison, comparing people because everybody, as you said, everybody has their level of resiliency, and they will take. Yeah, they will perceive things from from how they are, and that's uh, we can only support. Um, thank you so much. We yeah. are going, we're going to start winding down. Okay, now I'm going to bring it back to you. So, okay. how, how do you take care of your own mental health? Okay, so for me, I I um, there's so many things I do. I try to take out time just for myself to take care of myself. Sometimes I cook a very nice meal, you know, just eat and feel relaxed. What do you watch a movie? What? What do you do? I may just look for a very fancy recipe online and just try to make it. Something I've never eaten before. Just try to cook it. So for me, cooking new recipes are very exciting. I find it exciting. And another thing I do is I could watch a movie. Sometimes I listen to podcasts. I could read a book. I could talk to my family and friends, you know, just catch up with them. And now that, so I really don't remember what I used to do pre-COVID because it's been so long. So I'm talking about in this COVID era with lockdown and everything, you can't really go out much. But I know that, oh yeah, I just remember that I find swimming very relaxing actually. So that's another pre-COVID activity I used to do. I like, you know, hanging out with my friends, meeting up in cafe and just relaxing. And for me, I just um I just take out time to pamper myself. When I feel like I'm getting too stressed, I take a step back. I'm like, okay, wait. We need to relax, we need to calm down. What am I going to do? Sometimes it's just a nap I need. Turn off all my devices, turn off my phone. I don't want to communicate with anyone. I just need thirty minutes of, you know, peace and quiet. So sometimes that really helps. So there are different activities I find. I'm still in the market to look for more activities that 
can be very that can help my mental health so i'm always open to trying new things and all of that but i always make sure that whenever i feel like i need a break or i need to take care of myself i always make sure that i i try as much as possible to make sure that i give out i take out time for that because it's very important what book are you reading or what's the latest book you've read like the last week i'm currently reading the compound effect i can't remember the author but about um is it about habits and how oh no it's about money like um it's a financial book about how basically the the idea of the book is the compound effect so you saving two dollars now think about how much you would have saved in 30 years time the compound effect of saving two dollars every day for the next 10 years think about what that would be in 30 years you know so just thinking about the compound effect of every decision we make right now every investing investment you make right now the compound effect of that every money you lose right now the compound effect of that so that basically is just it really puts things in perspective for you because it helps you to think about the future you know because if, so it's like if you spend if you spend 40 dollars on something now you know what's the value in 10 years and all of that so that's basically what the book is about i'm not done but that's like the premise of the of the book Mm, I really like that. I like that idea. <laughs> Even like investing in your health, you know, like taking care of yourself. The compound. yeah, the compound effect of take taking care of your mental health right now. What would that look like in ten years? What would that look like in thirty years? So stuff like that. Yeah, it sounds very um encouraging. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's really good. Yeah, and what podcast do you listen to? Oh, I, I listen to a lot of podcasts. I, I can't even... There's so many. I listen to finance. I listen to um, religious podcasts. I listen to just knowing how to do stuff, from, some random facts about the world, about Earth, you know, different <laughs> different podcasts about relationships, so many things, so many. So I like to just have a mix in my library. So today I'm like, oh, I feel like listening to something about finance. I feel like listening to something about your health. I feel like listening to something about mental health. And then also have the career ones that I listen to, the ones about, you know, the society, the psychiatry society, psychology society, all of that as well. The career ones are there. So really it's a mix. I like to just mix it up and listen to all sort of things. I think every idea I have in my mind about something I want to learn, I, I first start by... <laughs> looking for a podcast then i try go to youtube you know to see and they'll say okay let me look for a book you know if i'm really interested so yeah there's a lot of knowledge out there yeah um before we wrap up do you have any last thoughts um for our listeners who will be listening to this episode um, okay so just to reiterate and summarize everything we've said today um mental illnesses are or mental challenges are common and if you find that you really need help please seek help because help is available don't feel stigmatized don't feel like you're all alone because you're not all alone just seek for help help is available and you will definitely get better it will definitely get better things will get better no matter what it is just seek for help Thank you.